0: I'm Victoria Doherty and welcome to the cold. Welcome to the Storytellers Church, where we endeavor to tell stories with a cold eye but never a cold heart and talk about the storytelling process in general, both as writers, as readers, as human beings. Um, I'm at a particular point in my stories right now I'm in the middle and, well, it is, it is a difficult and exciting place to be. And I am spending all of my time right now doing research, um, researching everything from, you know, what a storm is like in a desert, what types of storms, um, Happen in deserts, which ones are the most deadly and dramatic? Um, I am scouting for places to set different scenes that, that are kind of coming to the forefront in my mind for book three of the Breath series, which I'm just about to begin. That will be called The Record Keeper. And I am still sort of dripping. In the story and the atmosphere of primarily Book Two, which came out just a few weeks ago. and i'm I'm using all of the the sort of different things that inspire me and motivate me. And you know one of those things, well, it's quotes, basically. Um, quotes in general are a bit like prayers for me. Little bits of wisdom from people who are far more accomplished than I am and who've been through the ringer and have come out on the other side. And these really help me to look at things outside of my own headspace, talking me out of my tree, one foothold at a time. They are especially useful when I'm stuck, unsure of whether my big idea was ever a good idea. Or when I'm trudging my way through the middle of the story. If you're in the middle of the ocean with no flippers and no life preserver and you hear a helicopter, this is music. You have to adjust your needs to the moment. That's a quote from Tom Waits and I just love it. Um, And right now I am hearing the music of that middle. (laughs) And it is strange and it is cacophonous and it is disjointed, and it is beautiful. I mean, the middle is just a notoriously thorny place to be. And, you know, if you think about it, we rarely talk about hitting middle age, or going to middle school, or being mid route, or the Middle Ages, for that matter, in glowing terms, right? I mean, rather, the middle seems more often than not to conjure images of strife, darkness confusion and a general slowing down of progress it's like the waiting place dr seuss writes about in his well ultimately optimistic children's classic oh the places you will go i mean you've got to know that one because basically every high school or college grad gets it um if they didn't already have it as children uh, we gave it to all our kids, at least, for all of their big graduations. But here's a great quote from it, because it, it, you know, it really takes you to that middle place, and I think it's so accurate. You can get so confused that you'll start into race down long, wiggled roads at a breknecking pace, and grind on for miles across weirdish, wild space, headed, I fear, toward a most useless place the waiting place. For a writer, the middle, the waiting place is that stage in a manuscript where we no longer feel the wind at our backs the way we did when we launched our tail or see the light at the end of the tunnel the way we do when we're marching towards our fireworks of an ending. The middle of a novel or a trilogy or a longer series is a place that's hard won, chapter by chapter. Because it is such a slog, you know, so filled with intricacies that have to tie together the characters and plot points in a way that that makes sense, The, the magic that lights up the words, you know, that makes the words come alive for a writer or a reader feel as if it's fading away. I mean, the middle is, after all, where most first-time fiction writers kick their dreams to the curb and give up on ever completing their novel. And it's also when a reader might struggle to make it through a narrative that seemed promising at the start, but got weighed down. For me, the middle is so worth it. If we are conscientious and dedicated to remembering what made us fall in love with a premise, a theme, a story, or a hero, or a heroine, then the middle is where all the real growth happens. It's, it's the place and time where our characters discover who they really are, what they're made of, and which potential lovers are worthy of their hearts. It's where they fall down and make colossal mistakes, then have to figure out how to fix them. It's where they lose their innocence and not only have to make peace with their discoveries, but must endeavor to turn trouble, even tragedy, into triumph you know there's this marvelous quote from um andre guide oh, i'm a notorious mispronouncer g-i-d-e he uh, is the winner of the nobel prize for literature and he says it is unthinkable for a frenchman to arrive at middle age without having syphilis and the cross of the legion of honor And i just think that's fabulous because it does term Um, to turn the middle into a triumph you know it, it acknowledges for god's sakes that that you have gotten to the middle through blood sweat and tears now in my case the middle has involved as i said you know it's finishing the big book in the breath series book big book number two um called of sand and bone right and i won't pretend it has been a daunting task not only does *Up, Sand and Bone have to work as a standalone novel with its own beginning, middle, and an end, and for those of you who don't know what a standalone is within a series or a trilogy, it basically means that regardless of which order you read the trilogy, you can read the novel as its own story without having read other books you know, in the series or the trilogy. Um, Anyway, so not only does the Sandra Bone have to work as this standalone, right? Um, with its own, you know, story arc, but it also has to serve as the middle point for the series. Pushing forward the machinations of the plot without losing the framework of the epic and continuing to develop the characters who have a purpose and objective in all of the books, right? has felt a bit like being one of those um, acts in a variety show where the guy comes out to spin plates with one hand, juggle with the other all while, you know, skateboarding on roller skates or something like that. But I think it's been worth it. Although ultimately, it's you, the reader, who will have to be the judge. So I do want to read you, leave you, excuse me, um, and read you. I want to leave you with something that I'm actually going to read, and it's not another quote. I'm going to read you a part of the middle of Of Sand and Bone. Um, This part, uh, the the book primarily takes place in Cairo in 1902, and and this short segment takes place, um, it takes place then, exactly, and in it our lovers, Layla and Ripley, are discovering well are discovering about themselves they are discovering that they are recurrent souls who have lived many lives and who are being hunted by a killer from their first life and are also having to endeavor to um, undertake an enormous quest and all of humanity is at stake I have to get out of here. I blurt out before Ripley and his father can even utter a greeting. I'm going to see my father in Oswan. Even I can see how jagged my movements are as I make my way through their sitting room, intent on going up and packing my things. Layla, Ripley says, what on earth? As happy as I am to see him, even Ripley cannot console me. Nothing, everything. I just miss him, and with all that's happened, I think it would be best if I go. Dr. Davies looks to Ripley in distress, and I let my face fall into my hands. I've made a mess of this already, I can see, and the two of them must think I need an alienist. Stealing myself, I put my arms to my sides, trying my best to keep my lips from quivering. Ripley steps towards me but I put out my hand for him to stop. You should never have let her go to that hotel with you and and, and the Lieutenant General for goodness sake, Dr. Davies says. A woman, particularly of Layla's delicate age, shouldn't be subjected to- Oh Dr. Davies, for the love of God, I've seen more blood and death than you ever will in your one measly life. Sorry, I mumble. I don't know what came over me. Dad, if you'll excuse us, I'm going to take Layla upstairs. I feel Ripley's hands upon my shoulders and know instantly how wrong I was. I walk into his arms, needing every bit of his comfort. And he holds me better than anyone ever could. Yes, 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 of course, I hear Dr. Davies say. She needs to rest. That's the last thing I need, I want to say. I breathe deeply and deeply into Ripley's chest, where his heart beats, wishing it could be bare and I could feel the raw warmth of it. Ripley stoops down and hooks his arms beneath my legs, lifting me up. He carries me up the stairs and takes me to my room, laying me down upon the mint coverlet. Sweetly, he removes my shoes and places them next to my bed. What happened? I don't know. He takes my hand and sits at the edge of my bed, just as I had done to poor Edna's mother. I wish it was just that I was going mad. say. A frightened girl who has just seen too much for her sensitive nature. Too much death. Ripley's finger touches the hollow in my neck and my whole body comes alive to him. A sensitive nature, he teases. (laughs) Hardly. I tell him everything that happened at Mrs. Watson's. The whole story coming out in a torrent. He listens carefully stroking my head, holding my hand. I feel as if we're being haunted, I tell him, like the stories in my books, like my dreams. He leans over and kisses me so tenderly, my temple, my cheek, my lips. What if we're not the ones being haunted, but those doing the haunting? I whisper, what if somehow all of this is our fault? Ripley unbuttons his shirt and holds my hand to his heart. I want to bore through his chest and hold it, red and beating in my hands. I want to crawl inside him and shelter behind his bones. But his eyes give me strength. The rivers of amber and blood within them rush and glimmer. Then I shall make it right, if it's the last thing I do. Are the words that will take me into book three as I endeavor to storyboard it and really nail it down. I will get this right if it's the last thing I do. So I hope you enjoyed that and that it was a good dispatch from the middle. And until next week, stay cold, my friends.